uh, 10.30 a.m. Akatink Lake Park. you at the Hemming Avenue parking lot. You can just, uh, if you Google to get there, make sure you Google the Hemming Avenue parking lot of Lake Akatink Park. It'll put you to the right place and uh, it doesn't take a, a lot of extra time. Otherwise, you go to the other side of the park and it, it can take like 15 minutes to get from one side of the park to the other because you have to go totally out and around railroad tracks, a bunch of stuff like that. You might have noticed the trains on Sunday mornings, they have consistent trains. So maybe we could set our watch by the trains, I don't know. And then uh, just a second, I'm going to minister on uh, uh, giving. We're going to worship the Lord with our giving. If you'd like to give, you can just uh, click the giving link or uh, send a text to the number 84321. You can also mail your gift and uh, the information should be uh, popped up on the screen there. If you don't know how to do it, you can uh, send us an email, info at anchordc.org. But let's get right into the Word of God. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9 in uh, the New Living Translation. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. King James says, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all of your increase. Uh, Holman Christian Bible says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. And I want to tell you today that uh, God loves you and he is our provider. And the way that you're financially blessed uh, from him, he wants to bless you. He wants to help you. He wants to increase you. And he does it when we honor him then he honors us. And so uh, as we tithe and as we give, just know this, God will honor what you're doing. If you're a tither and you're a giver, God will honor you. He will bless you. He will take care of you financially. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you give seed to the sower and that you bless us, that we come in line with your word and then we're in line for a blessing. We thank you for your blessing upon every gift that's sown into your kingdom and every giver that's sowing the gift. We thank you, Father, that you give seed to the sower and then you multiply the seed that we sow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you as you give. Now, let's go right into uh, the guide inside. We're on chapter 12, and uh, this is a, a book by a minister by the name of Mark Berthee. And um, we've uh, almost finished it up. We just got a few more weeks here and uh, we'll, we'll be totally finished with this book. Uh, but the title of this chapter is A Scavenger Hunt. And as we get into it, I want to uh, read Romans chapter 8, verse 14, and then also give it a little um, context uh, for the, the scriptures that are kind of uh, surrounding it there. So Romans 8, 14, King James says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now he has it in the message translation here, and it says, God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. We're going to read uh, a lot more in the message in just a second with that. Amplified says, For all who are led by God's Spirit are, the, are sons of God. Uh, that would include, of course, daughters of God, sons and daughters of God. Uh, we a lot of times think in male-female terms, but uh, God thinks in terms just of children, his children. And uh, so females are also sons of God. Praise the Lord. All right. Um, New Living says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Passion says, The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Is that good? I'll read it again. The mature children of God, this is Romans 8, 14, and it happens to be Passion Translation. Uh, the mature children of God are those who are moved 
by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, I think that's a good point maybe to give some um, context to what we're reading. Because when I, when I hear that, that the mature children of God are those who are moved by the Holy Spirit, then I think, well, who are the immature children? <laughs> right? Well, what are they? Like, are you contrasting this with someone, you know, with something, <laughs> Holy Spirit? Well, he is, actually. And so Romans chapter 8 is such a fabulous chapter. Uh, we're going to begin reading with verse 1. But really, he's talking a lot here about the flesh and the spirit, or in the Greek, it's literally the sarks and the pneuma. So the sarks and the pneuma. And I like to think of the Greek words because sometimes we get so used to hearing the English words that we kind of let the depth of meaning that they have uh, slip by us. But really, when you look at um, the original Greek or hear it in a different uh, word or different sound that you're not used to, it kind of makes you, you listen in a little more. So I'm going to read, first of all, in the um, Passion Translation, I'm going to read Romans chapter 8, 1 through 14, and um, see, see what it uh, does for us, all right? So, uh, verse 1. So, now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the Anointed One. For the law of the Spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness, clothed with humanity. God's son gave us his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. This is so good. I really got to read that in the King James translation, uh, which, uh, which says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, right? In union with Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, that's the Greek word sarx, but after the spirit, that's the Greek word pneuma, right? So there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in union with Christ who don't walk according to the sarks but according to the pneuma right so he's he's teaching us by the spirit of God don't walk according to the sarks walk according to the pneuma well uh, you know that uh, I'm going to pick back up here in, in just a second but I think it's important for us to define what the sarks is is um it's real important for us to do that. So uh, I'm going to have to have Evie go get my laptop because apparently it didn't, it didn't transfer it over here. <laughs> um, so while she's doing that, I'll, uh, I'll just continue to um, read in, in the um, Passion Translation. I want to make sure I didn't have it here and um, miss it. Oh, I think I have it. Yeah, I do have it. Okay, so if we're talking about uh, about um, the sarks, 
we're talking about not is the flesh, but really in the Greek you find that the word for body is soma, uh, soma. So when you're talking about the sarks, you're you're not just talking about your body. You can just put it right there. Uh, you're not just talking about your body, because if he was talking about just your body, when they talk about just your body, they were, use the word soma. And uh, so then it's soma and pneuma, but this is sarks and pneuma. And so really what it is, is it's the flesh with all of its desires and all of its craving and its mortality and its limited life. So uh, let, let me read you something that William Barclay said about it. It said, it's quite clear, especially from the last instance, that Paul is not using flesh simply in the sense of the body. As we say, flesh and blood. How then is he using it? He really means human nature in all of its weakness, and he means human in its vulnerability to sin. He means that part of man which gives sin its bridgehead. He means sinful human nature apart from Christ. Everything that attaches a man to the world instead of to God. Isn't that good? To live according to the flesh is to live a life dominated by the dictates and desires of sinful human nature. I'm going to pause for a second. It's to live a life uh, dominated by the dictates of the sinful human nature, or you could say uh, uh, di uh, dominated by the dictates of the flesh or the desires of the flesh or the um, inputs of the flesh or the leading of the flesh or the desires of the flesh, right? So uh, you don't have to live a life dictated by those things if you are a believer because what, G what the Word of God said, the Holy Spirit, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So uh, in Christ, our union with him, we've been set free from that. And I'll pick back up. Um, instead of a life dominated by the dictates of the love of God. So we ought to be uh, live a life dominated by the dictates of God's love. The flesh is the lower side of man's nature. It is to be carefully noted that when Paul thinks of the kind of life that a man is dominated by the sarks, who's dominated by the sarks, lives, he is not in any means thinking exclusively of sexual or bodily sins. This is important because a lot of times, uh, you know, we just kind of gravitate towards, well, he's talking about if you're living by the flesh, you're just lusting all the time, you know, sexually lusting. Well, of course, it includes that. Uh, but when he gives the list of the works of the sarks or the works of the flesh, as it says in English, but sarks in Greek, in Galatians chapter 5, listen to what he includes. He includes the sexual sins, but then he also includes idolatry, hatred. Well, we see that in the world today, don't we? Wrath, we see that. Strife, we see that. Heresies, we see that. Envies, we see that. Murder, we see that. <laughs> the flesh to him was not a physical thing, but a spiritual thing. It was human nature in all its sin and weakness it was all that man is without God and without Christ. Isn't that good? Uh, flesh, all that man is without God and without Christ. All that man is without God and without Christ. And uh, in other words, uh, it is man without faith because faith connects you to God and faith actually uh, brings you into union with God. And when you're 
not acting in faith, but you're acting by the sarks or this nature or the, the pull of mortal flesh, then actually that decision creates the world system. You're, you're turning and grasping hold of those things and those desires and giving those place and giving those um, space in your life or space in your thinking or space in your actions and allowing those things to be the dictator of your life. Well, I'm just, I'm so free because I can do anything I want to do. Actually, you're the most bound person. You're just living. You're a slave to sin, to serve sin, to serve those desires. But the law of the spirit of life, Zoe, in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Now, this is very important. This is why I went back uh, uh, and... um, to give us some context, well, really because I had a check in my spirit as I was preparing for this uh, and really a leading to do this, but it's, it's very important that we do this and understand because it really uh, brings light and illumination to Romans 8:14. God's spirit beckons there are things to do and places to go, or King James, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, in other words, as many as are led by the pneuma of God, they are the sons of God. All right, let, let's pick up where we left off in a Passion Translation. Verse 7. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan, refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, uh, God finds no pleasure in those who are controlled by the flesh or controlled by the sarks. But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. <laughs> and if you, excuse me, and if you are not joined to the Spirit of the Anointed One, you are not of Him. Now Christ lives His life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. His life-giving spirit imparts uh, life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the spirit that God breathes, excuse me, by the same spirit that God breathes life into you. Uh, King James says, if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So yeah, he, he, you know, we use that scripture all the time. He makes my body to live. But really, he's using it in the context of he gives you life that goes beyond the sarks so that you don't have to be dominated by the death that is in sarks. There is so much death in the flesh and the, the domination of the flesh, the sarks itself, is, is incipient death. And so, in other words, it is death grabbing hold of you when you, when you yield to the sarks. This is what the Spirit of God is, is uh, communicating to us here through the Apostle Paul. So then, beloved ones, 
the flesh has no claims on us at all and we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. You don't have to live. You don't have to listen to the flesh. You don't have to live in obedience to the flesh. This is, this is awesome. Why? Because the, you are the sons and daughters of God and God leads you and God guides you. This is, what, this is where he's taking us, right? For when you live controlled by the flesh, when you live controlled by the sarks, you are about to die. But if the life of the Spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of your sarks, we then taste his abundant life. <laughs> the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. That's what we just read. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit full of acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. For as he raises up, as he raises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. As he whispers into our inner being, you are God's beloved child. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So you see what, and then the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Verse 16. So you see what he's saying, that sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God, that God is not forcing us to do something, that we are not slaves to God where we just have to do his every beck and call and whim. But he's saying God leads his children. God guides his children. And then verse 16, we have God's spirit bearing witness with our spirits that we're his children, not that we're his slaves. And so what do you say? Verse 15, right in the middle of those sandwiched in the middle between those, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again. Like you were slaves to sin and sin dictated what you were going to do. Sin forced you to do this. Sin pushed you into this. And the, he, he is saying this is not the pneuma of God. This is not the spirit of God because the spirit of God bears witness with our spirits that we're his children. And not only that we're his children, that, that we cry, Daddy God, you're my father. I've got a new relationship with you so that we know that he treats us as children, not as slaves, where, you, where, where someone would just, just uh, be mean to a slave and force a slave. So you see coming through right here, the very nature of God as a father, that he's leading you, he's guiding you, and he's letting you know in your pneuma, your spirit, you're my child. And I, and I protect my children. I provide for my children. And I don't force my children. I love my children. So um, God's spirit beckons, message says, there are things to do and places to go. And so he's saying, come on, uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you. I'm going to guide you because you're my child. 
So sometimes I think your flesh, your sarks, is looking for, just tell me what to do, make me do it. Why don't, Lord, why don't you just make me do it? And he's saying, because I'm your father, and a father loves his children, and I love you, and I have given you my pneuma, and your pneuma through my pneuma will show you the way to go, and you'll know the thing to do. You'll be guided, you'll be led, and you'll have a witness. In other words, you won't be forced and pushed into it. I'm right here showing you the way to walk in it, to go, now walk in the way. And, and I have provided you my spirit to make your body live, to quicken your mortal flesh so that the mortal flesh that would dominate a human no longer has the power because the law of the spirit of, of Zoe or life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. And he goes here and talking about, here's what the law of sin and death does. It leads you down this path. But the law of life in Christ Jesus leads you on the path of light and the path of life and the path of provision and the path of blessing. And God will lead his children and does lead every child of his by his spirit or by his pneuma. Now, let's get into this. Uh, uh, a few things that he said in this chapter so we can finish this chapter tonight. He said, God never plays keep away uh, with his will for your life. In other words, God's not trying to hide his will from you. You're just looking in the wrong place. You're probably looking by the sarks of the flesh, right? Well, you're not going to find his will there because there's death there and his will is life and that more abundantly. Jesus said, that's the whole reason I came is for you to have that, uh, for you to have that. He will always give you the first step. He might not give you, you know, the 20 steps uh, of your life in the future. Most likely he, he won't, but he'll give you at least the first steps. Bottom of page 175, walking out God's plan for our lives is like a supernatural scavenger hunt, he says. Through life, we collect bits and pieces of the plan until it all becomes clear. So many times you can look back on your life and you see the divine protection and the divine leading of the Lord, but at the moment you're not necessarily fully aware of what's going on. Verse, uh, page 176, he says, every time you obey God and follow the Holy Ghost through a change or move uh, or position or a judgment, adjustment, you pick up something that's necessary for you to fulfill your ultimate call. You might not even know what you're picking up or that you're picking up something. Even if you do, you might think, why do I need this? This is absolutely senseless, right? He's so, so honest and so open. And um, so verse one, I mean, page 177, he said, I was praying in the Holy Ghost when all of a sudden I had a spiritual vision. This is when he was traveling with Kenneth Hagin uh, in 1976 to different meetings. And uh, he and Doug Jones were traveling together, uh, helping out. Doug Jones is, a, is one of the uh, instructors that's been at Raymond the longest, besides Pastor Hagen. I, I guess he has been there the longest. And um, he said, uh, you know, they're kind of traveling together and Doug's driving. And uh, while he's driving, uh, Mark is just praying in the spirit, you know, praying in the Holy Ghost. And he, he um, had a vision. And in the vision, he saw himself sitting on a stool with his Bible open uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he's teaching a bunch of young people. 
Well, you know, he said, I, I never really uh, had any desire to teach the youth. I didn't, I thought that's not my gift. That's not my call. Lord, I don't want to do that. And, um, uh, but he said he was seeing himself in this vision as a youth pastor. And he's like, Lord, no, I rebuke this. Like, what, what is this? You know, <laughs> must've ate something. Right. And so he said, I didn't realize it at the time, but there was a war going on bet between my head and my heart. Cause my heart said yes, but my head said, no way. Don't even think about it. <laughs> That's not me. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Aren't you glad that God knows more about us than we know about ourselves? So, um, bottom of 178, he said, God never said, I'm going to make you do this. He doesn't make you go to heaven, so he sure won't make you do anything else, right? So that's what we were just talking about in context, that we're the children of God. We're not slaves of God. He's not going to force us. So, you know, when you're ministering and, and um, bringing the word to other people, maybe, maybe the anointing to other people, uh, he'll never direct you to force the word of the anointing on someone that's contrary to the spirit of god so god's not going to force someone to receive healing he's not going to force someone to receive his son he's not going to force someone to receive financial blessing that that's the devil that forces people uh what you can do is when people are are turning away from the blessing that the lord has offered is you can come alongside of them and you can get them to act in faith without realizing they're acting in faith. And then they're, able, they're in a position to receive from God because their faith yields to God. Faith looks to God and faith receives from God. And so, uh, you know, sometimes I've had people, uh, a couple different instances where people, they're like, well, I just don't have enough faith for that. Well, their thinking's not right concerning that, but maybe at the moment, they really need to receive from God so that their body changes. And, uh, and you don't really have time necessarily for a message. And so what you can do many times is say, well, just can you trust that I hear from God and that uh, I, I'm going to pray for you? And can you believe, I've, you know, just kind of like put yourself in a, in a different mindset, maybe like in neutral, somebody would say. So you're not against what I'm saying, but you're not trying to make it happen yourself. Can you do that? And they're like, yeah, uh, OK, I can do that. Well, I did that with one individual and. You know, uh, they had a difficulty walking without pain. And so uh, I said, well, I said, I'm just going to pray and I'll believe God for you. You, you just, you just uh, believe what I'm praying. You don't have to make any effort at it. You just uh, look to the Lord to work through me, right? Well, uh, they didn't realize it, but I'm getting them in faith to trust God working through me. And so uh, I just said, okay. And, I, and I, I spoke the word over their body, commanded it to uh, function properly. And I said, now, now, now just walk. And they started walking. And as they walked, they said, well, well uh, 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 I said, what's happening? I said, what do you feel? And they said, I don't feel any pain. I don't know what happened. And I said, this is what we just said. So, so God showed up, but they acted in faith. I didn't force them, force a healing on them and say, you have to have healing. This is your, no, I have to get them to open up to God because I have nothing without God. Uh, it's, I'm not the healer. I don't carry healing in me per se. I carry the healer, but they have to receive him. And in receiving him and what he's doing, then they receive health because he is health. And so God won't force you to do something he'll lead you and guide you as a son and a daughter of his he's going to make every provision necessary but i can't you know you know you don't 
force somebody to do something. So God never said, I'm going to make you do this or that. Then uh, he said, it was one of those times when I was quietly praying in tongues and I found myself changed. Well, what's he talking about? Let me give context. He said, by the time we pulled into Houston, hours later, while they're still driving, I found myself quietly praying, Lord, give me a church or I can be a youth pastor. It wasn't a matter of, dear God, I'll obey you if I have to. No, not at all. He said, it was one of those times where I was quietly praying in other tongues and found myself changed. So what? He, God showed him this. He was praying in tongues and then he saw this vision and he recoiled. His flesh recoiled from it, but his spirit kind of rejoiced about it. And so um, when that happened, then he just began to pray in other tongues. And the more he prayed, the more yielded he was to the Lord and to the plan of God. And when he was yielded to the Lord and to the plan of God, then all of a sudden his heart changed because he had yielded to the Lord. And he's like, yeah, I, I could see myself doing that. Now, Evie, I'm going to have you come over here so that these pages don't get too wet. And um, uh, you can take and uh, do this. Okay, well, I can do this actually. So... Um, you can stand over here, sweetie. This is my daughter, Evie. She's going to come over here, and she's going to go behind me. And she's going to come right over here, and she's going to hold the umbrella. Perfect. There you go. So this is, this is live, right? Okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, I was okay, but the, the, the pages are kind of starting to get kind of wet. So praise the Lord. Um, so uh, then he said they started an, uh, another week of meetings, and... Uh, uh, at that point, a minister by the name of Fred Price, he ministers out in uh, California and, uh, and uh, just a tremendous man of God. And uh, so he started ministering to people, gotten words for people and said, stand up and had a word for him, word for him. And then he said, hey, back at the book table, Mark, stand up. And he said, I didn't even know he knew my name. And uh, he said, God's saying that the things that he's dealt with you over the past two days are going to come to pass. You're on the right track. And he asked him later at the book table, that mean anything? He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, that was right on. And so he knew, OK, this is the Lord leading. It already happened in his heart, first of all. And then he had a supernatural manifestation like that. And it confirmed what the Lord had said. Then over on page 180, you know, he said, I didn't say, oh, yes, uh, well, uh, I'm trying to make this short, which is kind of difficult. But so he was praying and the Lord said, well, you know, I'm going to talk to uh, Kenneth Hagin, who you're working for. And, and uh, you know, he's going to ask you about leaving. And, and uh, you know, then you can say, yeah, you know, hey, I want to I want to go over there, those type of things. And he said something that, that I love here in the middle of page 180. He said, I didn't. Uh, um, I'm trying to figure out where to, where to exactly do this, but he said, I didn't say, oh yes, I know God showed me that. I just said, God sent me here and I, I work for you. So that's what you need. If that's what you need, then I'll be glad to do it. I never did tell him what had happened. Well, what's he saying there? Well, Kenneth Hagin had approached him and said, Hey, you know, um, I only need one person over the summer and you know, there's this uh, man who needs a youth minister uh, over the summer. So, you know, I'm wondering if you could do it type of thing. Well, he's saying, I didn't go and say, yes, God told me. I knew all this type of stuff. Uh, he just said, well, God sent me to work for you. And if you need it, I'll be glad to do it. Uh, because he wasn't trying to be somebody. He's just saying, no, I, I'm following the Lord. He knew the Lord had his number. So sometimes people were trying to like, let everybody know, God speaks to me, God speaks to me. And, uh, you know, that's really unnecessary in many cases. You can just uh, follow the Lord 
and, and let the Lord lead you and guide you. So what happened is he went to this church in Colorado and, uh, you know, he set out and like the first thing he did is he's, uh, he said, um, where's it at? I, I wrote it down here. Um, he said, all right, guys, we're going to have a great time in the word and in prayer. So if you're coming to this youth meeting for pizza and parties and roller skating, you might as well not bother. The next week they took him up on the offer and none, and they didn't come back. <laughs> right? So he said, I thought, hmm, well, I guess if you're going to throw a hook in the water for fish, you probably better put bait on it. The next meeting I said, I've changed my mind. <laughs> We're going to have roller skating and pizza parties. That's what we did. Lots of roller skating and pizza parties mixed with lots of the word of God. So sometimes, you know, we're trying to put people where we're at, which is really just a self-centered thing and saying, well, if you, if you really love the Lord, then you're not going to want to have all these parties. You're just going to want to do it. No, kids want to enjoy life. People want to enjoy life. But, but God, the message of the gospel is the most practical message. It's not calling us to come out from the world and leave the world, but it's calling us to be in the world full of God and full of Him and, and full of life. And God wants you to enjoy life. He just wants to be the center of what you're doing so that He can bring, cause you and use you to bring as many people as possible back to His family and back to His heart so that they can have freedom and love. And so uh, sometimes people try to get too spiritual and say, we're just going to do all this stuff. And then when people don't show up, you say, what's wrong with the people? Well, nothing's wrong with the people. Something's wrong with the minister because uh, you need to love on people and show them that you care. I mean, Jesus uh, fed the 5,000. He, he, he met natural needs and natural desires of theirs as he's teaching the word of God to them. So, um, you know. You might even like have people, and so you like bring an umbrella or something to protect them if it's if it's raining or, or whatever's going on. And so uh, my family's laughing, but you know you get to minister and you don't even really think about so much of the natural side of things. So, um, so he said, you know, then he found himself uh, within a short period of time. He's sitting on a stool in a room looks down, reads 1 Corinthians 12, and he remembered back to that vision. It was actually what he had seen. So he knew, yay, I follow, I heard God, I follow God. And, uh, you know, a short time after that, he was there, ended up being there for a total of 13 months. And he started uh, sensing like something's changed. What is this? And so as he did, um, he uh, realized the Lord's leading him somewhere else. And he prayed and the Lord spoke to him very clearly, not with a voice, but such a clear uh, witness that it was uh, tantamount or like a voice, uh, as clear as a voice, that, that he was to go back to work for Kenneth Hagin in Tulsa. And, um, you know, and then the guy that was taking his place while he was gone was actually going to come there. Well, long story short, that's exactly what happened. And when he approached Kenneth Hagin about it, Kenneth Hagin said, I'm not going to offer you a job because... That could hurt the pastor. If God deals with you to leave, you talk to the pastor. When you leave, let me know, and then I'll see what I can find for you. So he didn't want to get involved in, in, in um, uh, telling Mark whether this is the Lord leading him or not. He wants you to be led for yourself. But also, he didn't want to uh, cause a division between him and the pastor like I'm trying to take your person. So in other words, if you're led to do that, you do what you're led to do. And then I'll see if that's what I'm led to do, right? And then, and then of course, he was, and he went back. And uh, later, he's like, Lord, why in the world did I, 
was I doing the youth pastor thing? And the Lord said, well, I never did call you to be a youth pastor to begin with. And he's, he thought, well, I missed it. And he said, over some years, some things take a while uh, to find out. He just sought the Lord and sought the Lord like, Lord, why did you lead me to do that? Uh, that didn't even make sense, you know. And um, so much so that he just wanted to keep being a youth pastor. Well, later when the Lord led him to do what they called Demata schools all over the world, uh, some of the primary instructors that the Lord connected him with were students that were in this youth group when he spent that 13 months with them, sowing the word of God in them, fell in love with them, was ministering for the Lord for them. And so when, in his way of thinking, when the Lord told him, hey, you know, I didn't call you to be a youth pastor, he's like puzzled, like, okay, well then why was I led to go do this? That doesn't make sense. He's trying to... Uh, Think of God according to natural human thinking, yet God knows so much more. So that's where he's really relating it to a scavenger hunt that you might know there's a piece here and a piece here, but you don't necessarily know the whole picture, but God knows the whole picture. So God knew, you know, that I'm going to use this uh, to prepare you to minister, to learn to follow my spirit. But I'm also going to prepare these young people that you're sowing into that they're going to be a part and have a connection and actually be used of me in your ministry in your future. So while he was there thinking like, well, in his thinking about his past, that his past was a detour, an unnecessary detour and maybe time consuming detour and uh, thinking like, well, why was that there? God was seeing way beyond what he could see and he was seeing into the future and knowing, well, I'm just making preparation ahead of time. That when he was sowing into those young people years ahead of time in their most probably vulnerable state, they were getting a connection with God and even with the plan of God for their life to serve in those schools later on. Isn't God good? Well, uh, that kind of finishes out this chapter for us tonight. And um, if you're watching tonight and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, well, uh, the sons of God are the ones that are led by the Spirit of God. And so you're not in a position to be led by the Spirit of God. But God's Spirit is calling you into His family. He desires that all men come to the knowledge of truth and to receive Jesus Christ as, his Lord, as your Lord and as your Savior. He, the Bible says, He is not willing that any should perish and uh, miss out on the life of God and the family of God. If you'd like to do that tonight, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, If you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart man believes. It's really that simple. You must be born again, Jesus said. And the way that you're born again is you believe God raised Jesus from the dead and you receive Jesus and confess him as your Lord and as your Savior. I'm going to pray that uh, with you in just a second. If you'd like to receive him, all you have to do is repeat after me and say it from your heart because it's with the heart that you believe and, and you will be saved. Say this with me. Say, oh God, oh God. I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross to take away my sins. I believe that he died on the cross to take away my sins. And that you raised him from the dead. And that you raised him from the dead. And I take him right now. And I take him right now. As my Lord. As my Lord. As my Savior. As my Savior. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. I'm going to live for you, God, every day. I'm going to live for you, God, every day. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm 
not going to live for myself anymore. Thank you. Thank you. For saving me. For saving me. For changing me. For changing me. For making me new. For making me new. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you just prayed that prayer, you have just been born again. You, you've got a brand new life. In fact, all of your past sins have been removed. Your slate has been wiped clean. You're just as holy and just as righteous as Jesus is. And you have favor with God. And you have an audience with God. And you have gained entrance into the family of God and into the very presence of God. And He loves you. And He has a plan for your life. And you're His son or His daughter now. And He will lead you and guide you in the small things and the big things. And it's just a matter of not living by the sarks of the flesh anymore, but living by the Spirit. Your pneuma has been made new. You've been made a new pneuma in Christ Jesus. So if you've, if you've uh, prayed with us tonight, I'd love it if you would just fill out the form or send us an email telling us that you prayed. Uh, the email is info at anchordc.org so that we can get your name and pray for you, get you some materials if you need them, and also connect you with a great church. If you're in the D.C. metro area and you're able to get out, we're meeting at Akatink Lake Park, uh, the Hemming Avenue entrance. We'd love to see you there. Uh, we'd love to get to know you in person, face-to-face. And uh, if not, just continue joining with us online. If you're in a different area, you know, and you, you connect with us uh, through electronic means or in person, then uh, we can try to help you find a good church wherever you're at uh, that'll teach you the Word of God Uh, the Bible and allow God's spirit to show up in their services and in your life. We love you. God bless you. For everyone else, thank you so much for joining us. I just encourage you. You're a spirit made in the likeness and the image of God. Don't live life any lower than what the price of the blood of Jesus paid for you to live. You have been created and fitted and formed to hear from God. You are his child. He, He loves you and he is leading you and guiding you. Just just tune in. And sometimes, like Pastor Mark uh, Brzee had to do, you just begin praying in the Holy Spirit and, and pray until you, you just get more conscious of him than you are other things. And boy, you enter into the rest and you enter into the peace and you just be still before the Lord. And, and, and then he, he shows you, he leads you, he guides you. He loves you and we love you. God bless you. Have a great Wednesday evening, and we'll see you back online or in person on Sunday morning. Talk to you soon.